Welcome to A Duty to Act with your host, Jennifer Darling. Hey everybody, this is Jennifer. I'm on location right now in San Jose, California with members of the San Jose Fire Department to talk about their public education initiatives. So I'll start with you, Jake. I wonder if you could introduce yourself in the context of what your job is here, a little bit about your background and whatever else you'd like to share. Sure, yeah, thank you for having us and uh, for coming down here to San Jose. Uh, my name is Jake Pisani. I'm the Public Information Manager here with the San Jose Fire Department. I've been with the department for about four and a half months, so I'm still pretty new. Um, I'm also new to the fire service in general. Um, I have about 10 years of relevant experience, uh, 10, 11 years. I, I came from the sports industry, so I've worked for a number of uh, local organizations, um, most recently, the San Jose Earthquakes of Major League Soccer. So I was the senior director of communications there. Um, there's quite a lot of overlap. There's also quite a lot that's um, different. Uh, and so definitely the first month or two that I was here, it was really just trying to pick up on the lingo, um, understanding all of like the basic information, uh, and then really get up to speed from there. But um, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. Okay. And Vitaly, same question for you. Sure. Uh, and again, thanks for having us. Um, so my name is Vitaly Litvinenko. Um, I've been with the San Jose Fire Department for about three and a half years. I'm a video slash multimedia producer. Um, what that means is I mostly focus on video, specifically public education, um, but I also focus on the department's photography, graphic design, website, and social media needs. Um, my background is in graphic design and photography. Uh, before I came to the San Jose Fire Department, the world of fire was new to me. Uh, before I came from the City of San Jose's Environmental Services Department, where I did similar work, primarily video work, so the public sector is all I've ever known. Okay. It's interesting. The thing that you two have in common is that you, neither of you started off in fire. Did either of you have aspirations? Like when I was growing up, I wanted to be a firefighter or I always love the engines when they went by anything like that. Uh, I have one, um, when I was, so my cousin, uh, works for a, a group called the hot shots and they get deployed out to you know, major forest fires all over the, the Western United States. And uh, I was, I would say I was exposed to that pretty early. Um, I just remember a lot of family gatherings like Christmas and Thanksgiving where, you know, you'd be at the house, my, my aunt's house, and um, everybody's got their little sidebar conversations. And all of a sudden he starts talking about, you know, some of the work that he was doing and literally like everybody else stops talking and just like gravitates over towards him. So I, I think he's probably in the neighborhood about 20 years older than me. So that was, um, that was something that I was like always drawn towards. And it was, I wouldn't say becoming a firefighter was like the, the very, very top of my list of, of dream careers, but it was certainly near the top. Um, and when this opportunity came up, it was, it was an opportunity to go down uh, a path that I had always been interested in, um, in a, 
in a role that I was familiar with and had a background in. So it was sort of a perfect marriage of, of uh, the two, I guess. That's pretty fantastic. And for myself, I honestly have had no background experience or even contact with anything fire-related. I've never even called 911. I originally came to the fire department because I saw they had a position open as a videographer, and I'm, I imagine myself as a storyteller. Um, I've always liked telling stories, whether it's through graphic design or video. So I, I took the jump, and um, I mean, ever since then, I've grown to really, really love the fire department. Um, the biggest thing is the culture. Um, originally, I was interested in um, the environment. Um, that's why I joined the environmental services prior. But when I joined the fire department, the, the culture, the people, the line personnel themselves, they're just so amazing to work with every day. And so I'm really, really happy I came here. Great. That's really wonderful to hear. And I mentioned to both of you that I have a background in communication. So I come from the opposite. I started off in fire and EMS, and I'm branching out into things like podcasting, digital media, and so on. So that's an interesting flip-flop on the conversation here. Within the department, you have so many YouTube videos. You have so many initiatives on your public education page. The website for the San Jose Fire Department is comprehensive. The text is wonderful. And I understand that you've been here for three years, mm -hmm. uh, Vitali and Jake, you've been here for just a short period of time. Did you, uh, did you both come into that? Was that something or are there things that you set up that you said, this is how it's going to look right now? Because I only know it from my researchers is in about the past six months. Uh, and are you talking specifically about the website? Well, yeah, let's talk about the website okay. first. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So um, when I joined the department in 2020, our website was kind of bare bones. Um, part of the reason is for that we've never had, um, uh, not for a while, we've never had a large staff to support it. Um, our public education team has always been relatively small. Um, and so not too much attention has been paid to the website. Um, so when I came here, um, my, my role is video, but it's also just public education in general. It was kind of my personal goal to kind of grow that into something that could be um, a, a resource for the public, but also for ourselves. Um, for example, when I joined, we didn't have any web pages about any public education topics. Um, we would usually just reference people towards other trusted sources like NFPA, FEMA, and all that. But I really wanted people to see San Jose Fire Department as a trusted source. So that that's what kind of lit the fire underneath for me to kind of start really developing that. And over the past several years, um, we've developed excuse me, we've developed more than thirty-five. Um, public education web pages that um, when we 
so kind of the process that I work is um, I find a topic that kind of we may not have covered. I develop that into a web page. And from that web page, I can use that information to help me build a video, to help me build flyers, to help point the public towards that um, web page. Um, and that's just one kind of section of our website. Um, and part of the reason I was able to do this is because, uh, as I mentioned, when I used to work at Environmental Services Department, I worked on their website as well. So I took that experience and brought it to um, San Jose Fire. Um, but we have other parts of our website, like we have pages dedicated to our fire communications team. So we've been working with them to um, expand on topics that relates to the 911 system. Uh, like even currently, we're working on a web page about um, what happens when you call 911, what numbers um, may you want to call, like poison control, uh, suicide hotline, giving them all the resources uh, they may need. Um, and our website's still ongoing. Um, but yeah, uh, just just to recap again, uh, biggest reason for doing so is we wanted to make San Jose a trusted source of information. I think you've really done that. The website has pages. Uh, I think the latest one that I watched, of course, there's the stop, drop and roll and there's making your home hardy for preventing wildfires or destruction of your home. I saw something the other day about drowning, uh, falls in the home and elderly. And it really comes across that way that your department is the go-to resource. I wonder, Jake, if you can tell me, was that in any way in your experience with your previous employment with what you did with the sports team? Um, maybe a little bit. Um, but as far as the way that the website is built right now, I mean, I, I would give Atali all the credit in the world. I, I think um, calling himself a videographer is probably a little bit modest. I, I know that's, that's his title, but um, he's just incredible when it comes to social media and the website. Um, one thing you should know also is my role was vacant for about six months. And the reason that, you know, we, we stayed afloat was because of all the work he was doing in so many different areas. So I want to make sure that he gets, you know, his due credit, um, for way more than, than just videos. But I think, you know, one thing that I really like about our website and, and the way that much of it is built, not necessarily all of it, but it's not stuff that's hyper specific to San Jose, where if you live 50 miles away, our website or our YouTube videos are irrelevant. Um, we were actually just talking about one, we were, we were just talking about this general idea that the videos that we like to produce are um, somewhat evergreen. I mean, I know thing, you know, technology changes and all that, but it's something you should be able to watch five years from now and it's still relevant, um, or it's applicable to people all over the country. And we had a, a, you know, we have a series called Junior Firefighter Safety that touches on everything from how to operate fire extinguishers. Actually, is that part of the junior? No, uh, no, no there, that there, one's not. No, that's a separate one. Yeah, yeah. but the, the videos basically encompass everything. You know, how to use um, fire extinguishers, um, how to stay safe when using, um, you know, electrical, certain electrical appliances or, or um, the plugs in your home. 
um, smoke alarms and, and carbon monoxide detectors and all of that. And so what's cool is, you know, every once in a while you'll see one of these videos that gets picked up by the YouTube algorithm and the, the views just take off. And then when you look at the comments, you know, sometimes it's like, hey, I'm watching this from Louisiana. Thank you so much for, for creating this video. Or I work for a fire department, you know, in Florida, and, and we would love to use this video as part of our training. And so I think that that's something that, you know, we're both passionate about is um, creating resources that not only our department and our residents um, can use, but also can be uh, an important resource for everyone all around the country. I think that really comes across and uh, specifically thinking about the pool safety one with the 10 tips on pool safety. They were quite universal. I was really pleased with that. I can imagine my department using something like that and incorporating it. But you mentioned the junior firefighters. So let's name some of your video initiatives. You have one called A Day in the Life, which, by the way, is one of my favorite questions to ask on the podcast. Tell me about a day in your life. But you have one that's a day in the life. And I watched a video. It was of a probationary captain. That was the one I watched all the way through. You have junior firefighter. There's Wheels Wednesday. What else? Um, I, I think those are the those big, are the big, big ones. Series, okay, because um, most of the other content are uh, one off. One offs. Yeah. There was uh, recruitment. There was a video about a women's boot camp, which is a fantastic initiative that the department did. So all of these have such broad appeal, and they're so well organized. So really nice job. It's great to have resources like that out there. I wonder if you can tell me, this is the question that I have then, and it's definitely going to be directed toward Vitaly. How do you get your line firefighters to be the people in front of the camera? Because in all of those videos, I didn't recognize the same person more than twice every now and then. There's tons of videos, and you just get everybody involved. How do you do that? <laughs> Well, first, it, it does help that we're a large department. Um, I think of over like 800. Um, but, um, yeah, so to start off, I wanted to tell a little story that happened to me. So when I first joined the San Jose Fire Department, I didn't know anything about the fire world and kind of had to navigate it as a videographer. So I reached out to the San Jose uh, police department and their videographer and one of the lessons he really emphasized to me is that um, the best way to go about kind of um, doing well at your job is by building relationships um, not everyone's going to want to do videos not everyone wants to go in front of the cameras but by building relationships um, you're going to kind of encourage that people are going to um, want to help out. So re building relationships is kind of the foundation to all my work. It starts even when we have firefighter recruits in the academy. I make my face known. I introduce myself. And even when I go out to an incident, I take photos of crews, then I send it to them later. Um, they see me, you know, we, we begin to um, build a relationship. And then when I want to reach out to them to work on a video, you know, 
they they know me well, so lots of times they're enthusiastic about helping. Um, but part of the reason why um, you may not see too many of the same faces is because uh, we, as um, San Jose is a large and diverse city, so in our videos we try to um, kind of be representative of that diversity. So I try to work with as many people as I can. And because we're such a large department, there's a lot of great people to uh, choose from. Okay. And according to the website, you're at about 650 sworn people and about 110 civilian employees. So that is a huge pool of people to rely upon. How many different languages are your videos uh, recorded in? There are several, uh, several different languages represented. So for the most part, um, we do three languages, English, Spanish, and Vietnamese, because those makes, make up the largest demographics in San Jose. Um, a couple years ago, um, the city, city of San Jose started to transition to also uh, communicate in Chinese, especially um, when the pandemic hit, uh, because they also make up a... Um, significant portion of San Jose. So we have touched in that area as well. Um, the goal for us, um, where possible, is to try to communicate in those four languages as much as possible. Um, our resources for doing so um, can be kind of tight um, for because we tried to do everything in-house. And for example, we Right now we have, um, I believe, only one uh, person who can speak Chinese very well on camera, and I don't want to tap that person too much. Um, but yeah, we, uh, where possible and over time, um, even when we make a video, a PSA in English, um, I, I, I always design it in a way where we can reuse some of the B-roll or footage and maybe swap out the speaker and easily make that PSA or video into another language. So, um, yeah, that's always the goal. Okay. And you mentioned that when you came here, you had this idea of making your your topics, making them things uh, that were of general interest. They were sort of broad appeal. Do any of your ideas come from the line firefighters? Uh, yes. So... Um, my ideas come from everywhere, but lots of times I do, especially if I'm out filming at a fire station, sometimes I'll, like, if I'm joining the crew for lunch, we'll chat about kind of what's going on for their work. Um, and one example of kind of an idea that came, uh, a video series that came about from such a conversation is... Um, some firefighters were just mentioning that sometimes they have issues with drivers not knowing how to react when they're going down the street. And I actually heard this from quite a few firefighters. So that gave me idea to um, kind of uh, create, create a little animation series um, uh, regarding all the different scenarios one might encounter. So we did create, um, they're each only like 20 seconds long, little motion graphics. 
um, designed for social media on, I believe, eight, eight different rules. Um, and so uh, we put that together. We had, I work with um, some of our firefighters to kind of review that information, make sure it's accurate. Um, and yeah, that was just one idea that came about from such a conversation. That's really great. So it sounds like you, you seek to build these relationships. You go out and you have lunch with everybody. And I know that you're still new here, Jake, how about, uh, what are your hopes of what you can accomplish in the role? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd like to just sort of touch on something that, you know, Vitali mentioned as, as a critical part to this job. And I think to so many jobs, which is, you know, gaining the trust and building relationships with the people around you. Um, you know, that, that's something that I had to do a lot of in, in my past job. Um, you know, it was a lesson I think I learned pretty early in my career is if you walk into a locker room full of professional athletes and the only time you ever go up and talk to someone is when you need something that it starts getting around pretty quick. And it's like, Oh, here he comes again here. You know, what, what do you need me to do? And so, you know, I used to make it part of my, like, not necessarily every day because, you know, days can get busy, but certainly like multiple times a week, I'd go into the locker room and just chit chat, ask how people are doing, how their family's doing. Um, if there's something that, you know, you saw that they did on social media, ask them about it. And that way you sort of build that more personal relationship. And so, um, you know, I haven't been here that long, but I, I'm certainly trying to do the same thing here. Um, I just went and had dinner with, uh, with my local crew two or three nights ago. And so you go in there and shake some hands, you know, share a meal. Um, don't show up empty handed, of course, you know, make sure you bring dessert or something. Um, but it, it'll go a long way. Uh, cause you know, these people are incredibly friendly. Uh, I think that's why everybody loves firefighters. Um, so, you know, when, when you have a, a good relationship built with them, they're always like, Hey, anytime you need something, you know, give me a call. Here's my number. So, I think that was something Vitaly mentioned that was, you know, very, very important. What was dinner? What did you guys have? Uh, it was chicken with some veggies, uh, French fries, and then I, I had some fresh baked cookies that I brought. Uh, nice. Yeah. Nice. One of the things that's featured in a lot of the videos that have been published, especially those day in the life videos, is that uh, the San Jose crews eat all three meals together. Is that that pretty much holds true? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, Cooking together and... Yeah, so um, the crews have to stay together 24-7, and most of the time they they prep and cook their own meals in-house because um, lots of times it can be uh, cheaper than going out and healthier. Uh, and that that time that they have around the dinner table is very important to them because that's when they kind of unwind and you know talk about life and stuff and um so yeah they they, they have three meals together a day there's a really interesting study out there that looks at fire department shared meals and proved improved team coherence uh, and and just working together is improved at the fire department because of shared meals. So it's something admirable, and it's also something that I, in my experience, is not as prevalent. So it's interesting to hear you guys support what has been shown in your videos, that it's a priority here. That's really great. Tell me about 
either one of you, tell me about the shark engine. What is that? I think I can. Um, yeah, the shark engine is a really, really cool apparatus. It was a, it was an old type one fire engine that was retired. Um, and a, I believe a crew got the idea, um, because the San Jose sharks, uh, the local national hockey league team were in the playoffs. And so they said, Hey, what if we take, you know, one of these engines and we paint it like a shark and we add some, you know, some cool features to it. And I may be leaving out some, some stuff here that you, uh, you want to add, but it's a really, really cool, um, apparatus. It's, it's painted, you know, like a teal color. It has a, a big fiberglass fin on top. It's got, um, led lights and it's got a big, uh, built-in speaker on the top. And in the back, it actually has two bases where, um, or two, like, two benches, two openings where people can actually go and participate in a parade and you're kind of on top of it in a, you know, safe, secure location. Um, so again, I'm, I'm probably leaving out a lot of stuff, but it is really cool. We, we use it in parades and, um, other, like the, the county fair actually came to us and wanted it for, for the Santa Clara County fair. It's such a head turning vehicle. I mean, I don't know if there's like another way to, to explain it, but we just had the Silicon Valley um, Pride Parade at the end of August, and every person we drove past took out their phone and started snapping pictures of it. And I don't know that I saw that with any other, um, you know, participant in the uh, parade. It's just like a really, really cool um, vehicle that we use for you know public relations purposes. Um, so I don't know if you have anything yeah. to add. Uh, it's just uh, one of the cool things is that anyone um, at our discretion can kind of rent the shark engine. So if someone, small community or school is having a fair or something, they could contact us and um, we rent it out at a very, uh, very uh, low price. Um, and yeah, it, it just, it brings joy to wherever it goes. So um, yeah, it's, I think it's just really cool that we have it. Okay. That's, it's really excellent. That was one of, uh, I was really, I'm really glad to hear that it's still being used. When I learned about it, I was like, oh, I don't see it in too many of the videos. I don't hear about it too much. So I wonder if it's still being used. Is it staffed by fire department staff when you send it places for the rental? Does it get driven out there by a firefighter or, or civilian staff member? Yeah. So, um, there's, we offer a couple different types of community appearances. So one is, we can have an in-service crew um, go out, you know, if there's a school event, you know, 40, let's say it's the kids and their parents and they, they want a, a crew to go out there. That would be um, an in-service crew um, using a, you know, an active fire engine or truck and you'd get all four of them. And that is, um, we do not charge for that. Um, but obviously that would be sort of at the mercy of the, the emergency you know, a schedule, right. And things, things may come up at the last minute. And then the shark engine is something that, uh, as Vitaly mentioned, there's a small fee associated with it. It is something that we have, you know, various expenses that we're, we're trying to at least to cover a little bit. Um, but there's one off duty driver that would, uh, sort of take ownership of it. And it's, it's really their responsibility to, to drive it. And, um, you know, not only keep the, the vehicle safe wherever it's at, but make sure that, 
all the participants that are looking at it, you know, people get really excited and they want to climb on it and stuff. And it's sort of that one individual's responsibility. Um, they wouldn't come with an entire crew like the other parents would. Do you have a question about emergency medical services? Do you wonder what it takes to become an EMT, paramedic, or a firefighter? Now's your chance to take advantage of Jennifer's 30 years of experience as a paramedic, firefighter, administrator, and teacher. Go to www.teamprotego.com, that's www.teamprotego.com. Click on the Submit Your Question link, and we may address it on the air. In the work that you do with as many initiatives as you have, with the Shark Engine and so on, what are the things that you're not doing that you want to expand into? Actually, this is something that we had talked about earlier today. Um, so we are, I may have to back up and kind of explain our staffing. Absolutely. A bit. Um, I so, should have asked. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Um, so as, as, uh, I'm the public information manager, uh, Vitaly is a videographer, um, and multimedia producer. And then we have a public information representative named Merlina and she's been around for a little less than two months. So she's, she's, uh, very new, but she's, you know, working hard to get up to speed. She's doing a great job. And. I would say in general, all three of our jobs overlap quite a bit. Um, you know, there's really no projects of Vitaly's working on that I'm not involved in and a lot of times vice versa. Um, but we all have our sort of primary focuses that it's like your, this is your responsibility, right? So, um, mine is, is going to focus a lot on media relations. Uh, I'm, I'm the first point of contact for any incidents. So I'm, I'm the one who's taking those calls. They may happen at all, all fun hours of the day. Um, Vitaly is, you know, primarily the content producer. Um, and then Merlina is, is really taking on like community engagement, setting up appearances like the shark engine or, uh, station tours, that, that sort of thing. Um, and, and one thing that Vitaly and I were talking about earlier today is right now we are a little bit on the reactive side when it comes to engaging with the community. Um, not, not necessarily from a public pub ed perspective like we're always trying to come up with new videos we're always trying to um, inform and in engage the community but as far as like hey we're, let's organize something where we're going out there and we're setting up events and um, you know like that sort of thing we're, we're, we're really out in the community most of those are initiated by requests that come in so that that aspect of our department is a little bit reactive at this point um, we would like that to be more proactive. And so what we want to do is really put ourselves in a position where we can determine, hey, this neighborhood, this community is struggling with A, B, or C. You know, there's a handful of kitchen fires that have started recently in kind of this one community. We should go out there and proactively teach them about kitchen fire safety. And so those are sort of like long-term goals that we're working on. Obviously, when two-thirds of the department hasn't even been here for six months, there's still that kind of um, learning curve. But we're, we're working incredibly hard to get there and get there fast. And um, I, I would say I feel pretty confident that there's a path forward there. You've spoken about the things that you are doing, the things that you want to be doing. You have kind of a, a Cadillac system here. From the outside, it looks like your department has so many different divisions. First of all, it's an all-hazards fire department, hazardous materials, urban search and rescue, water rescue, wildland interface, and all of those sort of things, which is amazing. 
I know that your EMS, you are, you employ paramedics, but your primary transport is done through outside agencies, the Santa Clara County and so on. How do you think other departments that don't have the amount of resources that you have, how, how do you think they can set up some initiatives like the things that you've done or the things that you're hoping to do, like being proactive? Well, this, this is actually, uh, it's kind of funny you, you bring this up because this is another topic that we, we've been talking about recently, which is, um, you know, it's it's great that we're an all all risk, all hazard fire department. You know, we're, we're capable of responding to any emergency that may come up, whether it's fire, um, medical, um, hazmat, rescue. Um, that obviously presents challenges in terms of pub ed, though, because if it's stuff that we can respond to, it's also stuff that we should be educating the public about. So um, there's sort of a give and take, I guess. It's it's you know it's um, it's a great opportunity to touch on a lot of different areas, and I think as you know, Vitali mentioned earlier, 35 web pages for um, you know, different type of incidents, different type of safety messaging. I mean, that's a lot. And I, I don't think necessarily most departments are going to have to deal with quite that, that much. Um, we're also in a unique situation here in San Jose where we're a huge city. You know, we have about a million people, I think 12th largest in the U.S., um, third largest in California. We have a big downtown with skyscrapers, but we're also, we have a lot of urban wildlife area. Um, excuse me, urban wildland area. Um, so there's really a lot of stuff that can happen. And um, I don't know that necessarily all fire agencies are going to have to deal with uh, the same challenges that we are. Do you have any aspirations that your department will be a source, like you mentioned NFPA and that you want it to be evergreen and so on? Do you have any aspirations that other agencies maybe in the region or across the country will adopt your stuff and then you're going to be known as the content creators? Um, well, I just wanted to say a little bit about that. So, um, I think in a way, um, maybe not necessarily for the content, but in general, the San Jose fire department has for long had a reputation as being a leader in its kind of industry. Um, even before I joined the department, I've, heard of such instances um like just as one example um i think around 70s or 80s the fire department really like when video camcorders started coming about they were really aggressive about um being up to date on that technology and using it for training um and i think uh 2001 after uh september 11th um, San Jose Fire Department was one of the first departments to uh, develop weapons of mass destruction kits, kind of um, that other fire agencies around the country kind of saw and mimicked. And even recently, um, San Jose Fire Department was one of the uh, first major kind of agencies that had to deal with um, uh, the COVID pandemic um, in California. And we developed an IAP incident action plan. And that plan, because we were, uh, we tackled that early and aggressively, it was actually adopted by um, many other agencies around uh, the country. And when I personally, when I think of um, 
when I'm creating video content, even when I join the department, I kind of, I try to put that mindset on that. Like I'm not only creating content for just San Jose, I'm creating content that could, you know, help the entire country in a way, because the San Jose fire department is kind of a leader in what it does. And I, I just think I want to do my best to kind of uphold that. One of our biggest struggles in the modern fire, EMS, police, public safety, public service, however you want to think of it, first responders, is recruitment and retention. And we've spoken about your roles in public education. We've spoken about your roles as a public information manager and as a videographer. But ultimately, many of your videos have pertained to people who might be looking at getting into the fire service what kind of plans or what kind of ideas do you have moving forward to help bolster uh, recruitment and hopefully retention in the department as well? Yeah, I can I can touch on this one. So there's actually something that we're we're working on right now. Um, it was an idea that that sort of came up um, organically. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, some of the videos we produce are public education, but it's also very important for us to help our recruiting efforts. I, I think firefighting is a career that used to be in such crazy demand that, you know, you could get thousands of, of applicants. Um, and now it's, you know, we're really trying to pull as many people in as possible, um, for, for one reason or another. And that this is not absolutely not something that's San Jose specific. I think it's something that's, um, that's happening all across the country for one reason or another. Um, but, you know, we, we have an event called the Women's Boot Camp. It's a, it's a one once a year event, completely free, uh, where um, I believe we we accept about sixty women, who they sign up, um, they get put through a ninety minute workout that's that sort of mimics things that they may do on the job. Uh, there's a classroom portion, there's a Q and A portion, um, so it's a really really good opportunity for women who may be interested in this as a career to come in and um, talk to people and get a firsthand experience of, is this something that I could see myself doing? Well, during that event, um, I had a chance to speak to a couple of the women, and I was shocked that multiple thought firefighting was specifically open to men, um, which is obviously not true. There are tons of um, very, very talented women um, who are in this profession, and I hope that number continues to go up. But that got me thinking that there's a lot of misinformation, there's a lot of misunderstanding about how to get into the industry, um, who the door is open to. And so I, I actually started conducting my own research, uh, talking to people in the public, just sort of asking, you know, if they had considered this as a career, if, um, if so, why, if not, why? And I kind of started putting all that together. And it, it was very obvious to me that there's misconceptions. And rather than just putting some like flyer that says, hey, it's, you're, you're not too old to do this or you're not too weak or you know whatever it is that, that are going through people's minds, right? What if we just identified individuals within our department, active members of our department, that dispel some of those misconceptions. And so we had, you know, just as an example, 
we had one individual who was uh, born and raised in Barcelona in Spain. Very, very small connection to fire. I, it, the way he explained it was like a ton of people can, you can take some tests, but it doesn't really go anywhere. He ended up getting into sales and marketing. I think he has like an advanced business degree. Um, didn't really care for that too much. Ended up working in water sports. He was in Asia in the summer and Mexico in the winter. Met his wife. Um, moved to California and then had some connection to Cal Fire and ended up going down the path. And, you know, now he's he's here. Right. So if you had asked him, oh, are you you know, did you start this at 21? Absolutely not. Is this something that you had dreamed of since you were a kid? No, it wasn't. And there's a lot of people who I think would be tremendous firefighters, tremendous paramedics, tremendous, um, really any, anything within the department, um, that just don't know that it's an opportunity. And so, you know, Vitali is, uh, he's the one who is, you know, doing the interviews and he's going to be editing them and all that. And I think we have a couple that are, that are almost ready to go, but we're going to be releasing these out, um, probably ahead of recruitments as, as sort of a tool, but it's, it's also really good engaging content. So we're hoping to engage, but also inform. That sounds like a great idea for my own path. I started off as a volunteer firefighter when I was 17 years old. I decided when I was 17 in high school that I wanted to be a paramedic. And the way to do that was to become a volunteer. I went through my EMT basic training and joined the volunteer fire department. And they said, Hey, do you want to be a firefighter? And I thought, okay. <laughs> and so I ended up that way. I ended up in paramedic school when I was 20. And then for the bulk of my career at the beginning, the bulk of my career, it was a conflict of interest to be a firefighter and a paramedic at the same time, because I was on the East coast. So the phenomenon of fire-based EMS is not nationwide. When I was uh, 47 years old, the county-based EMS system that I'd been a part of for 20 years was broken up, and we were adopted by four different fire departments, and we had to go to fire departments. So I was 47 years old when I went to the State Fire Academy, and since that time, I've been an active firefighter. I'm a driver operator. I do spend most of my time on the ambulance, but that's the nature of being a paramedic in a transporting system. And I think that the overarching thing that I get from my department and this idea that has evolved over 30 plus years in, the, in and around the fire service is this idea of being valued for what I bring rather than not appreciated for the things I don't. You know, that's, that's one of the things. So I love that theme, this idea that not everybody comes from the same walk of life and not everybody has the same timeline that gets into this job. So I really can appreciate that a lot. That sounds like a great initiative to take. How about reaching into the high schools, reaching out to people in your local colleges and things to get them into this? Any ideas there? Any brilliant thoughts going on? Um, I could say two small things on that. One, uh, we are producing a, uh, a separate recruitment video that is geared... Um, towards younger folks, uh, not, but it's not only about the firefighter side, it's about all the career opportunities in the fire department, like support staff, um, dispatching, and all of that. Um, but we also have a fire explorer program. 
So what that is, is it gives an opportunity for um, uh, younger folks kind of around high school age to kind of uh, experience and do sort of similar trainings that they would uh, do on uh, that firefighter recruits would do. And it's just a way to introduce them into the fire service and kind of give them a taste of um, being a firefighter. Um, and we've actually had had a couple of folks um, over the past couple of years who have moved on from that program to work as EMTs. And, uh, you know, the goal is hopefully maybe we'll see them once they're a little older come to our department. I really like thinking about converting people. For example, I've told you I'm in a small city. Uh, we have of course high schools we have a community college the community college does fire training the community college does emt training and the community college is located within sight of my fire station it's across the street we actually share the same training grounds and unfortunately we're such a small department and turnover being what it is we don't see too many of those students actually come and work for us we see them as volunteers in the county or part-time paid in the county, but they tend to take that education and end up at larger departments where they can support more staffing. So I can appreciate this idea of a, an explorers program. I'd really love to get us moving toward that direction. I think that's probably the way we need to get in all of public service that we need to reach into the schools. We need to reach, uh, we, we start with the stop, drop and roll in kindergarten and first grade. And I think we need to have a much greater presence throughout the whole time as we do that. So I appreciate your thoughts there. I didn't prepare you for this question and I didn't really think about asking it until we've been here, but I mentioned earlier that you're kind of a Cadillac department and so on. You have three people dedicated to public information, education, videography, and that sort of thing. What kind of budget do you guys have? Like, how does that work? And I'm sorry if that's an unfair question to ask. No, I don't think it's unfair. Um, truth be told, we, we do operate on a very lean budget. Um, I can actually give you an example. It was was one of the prompts that you had sent over. I'll kind of weave that in. Um, We have a a number of different campaigns that we do throughout the year uh, that are, you know, specific to certain times of the year, right, Uh, as we approach certain holidays, whether it's Christmas, New Year's. um, Right when I started, we we were in the middle of preparing for 4th of July. And, you know, all fireworks are illegal here in San Jose, um, the ones that leave the ground, the ones that are that do not leave the ground, um, even the ones that are considered safe and sane, they're all illegal. And so it's a really, really important initiative for us to, to re- remind folks that, um, you know, they, they're dangerous. Um, they can very easily injure people. They can cause fires. Um, and so that's like a huge, huge project for us every year. Um, we, we work with other city departments to sort of build it, to um, do outreach. You know, we do all sorts of stuff as far as um, print signage, billboards, and bus shelters, and we do newspapers and Google ads and digital ads and all that. Um, when we're building the look and feel of this campaign, uh, another department had taken the lead in the past uh, and approached an outside agency to say, how much would it cost to sort of build this um, 
campaign sort of from the ground up, it was over $100,000. And I, I don't quote me on this, but I believe they said hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, of course, we cannot, we, we can't do that. I mean, we're, we're working with a, a much leaner budget than that. So a lot of those big projects that other agents or, um, you know, contractors and freelancers are looking at and they're like, oh, this is a huge project. That's all stuff that we have to do in-house. So yes, it's great that we have, um, you know, as you would call a Cadillac department because, you know, we've now expanded to three, but um, there's a lot of stuff that we're sort of forced to do internally that I think a lot of other um, organizations or agencies may just say, hey, just pass this off to someone who's, who's outside of our organization. Any uh, grant work that you do or any uh, partnerships that you have right now established to get any of these things done? It's okay to say no. I just <laughs> um, Well, it's a, it's a good question. I, I wouldn't say that I've done any specific grant. I know we do as a department. Uh, I, I haven't been involved in any yet. Um, as far as partnerships, we do, you know, um, we were discussing a partnership we have with a, an organization called CalJack which is like a recruiting, what would you call them? Um, anyway, they're based in Sacramento. And so we had sent a few of our firefighters up there to, um, they do an on-camera interview and then that gets posted all over the place. And um, one of our one of our firefighters, his name is uh, Carl Mickelson, really cool looking guy, tattoos and a mustache, like a very classic firefighter, right? He's like this big, strong guy, former college football player. One of the clips they posted of him on uh, TikTok got like a million views. It was incredible. And they were like, we need him to come back because we need more engagement like that. So they actually recalled him for a second interview. So we have partnerships like that that that, um, we can tap into. But as as far as spending money, I think um, a lot of the department spend is going to be towards the department that we have and what we're able to produce in-house. And um, I did want to provide a little historical context. So right now we're a team of three. This is the largest the team has ever been. Um, We, a long time ago, used to have a larger public education unit, uh, but that got cut after the 2008 recession. Um, And it's been basically a one-person team until um, 2020 when we had our public information manager and my position as a videographer uh, was created. Um, And for a while we were a two-person team, but we put in a lot of work and um, we kind of documented and showed that work to our uh, leadership, both department and our city leadership. So we did put in a request to grow our team to show, hey, we, we've done so much, but we could do so much more uh, if, if we have more people. So um, that's how we managed to get to where we are today. Very cool. I'd love to have you tell us a little bit about the technology that you use to make such wonderful videos. You have great editing, you have great title sequences, they're uh, comprehensive and well shot. What kind of equipment and technology do you use? Uh, yeah, so for the most part, um, I have two DS, DSLRs 
and I use Adobe Creative Suite for all my editing. Um, but when I first got to the department, um, I knew I had to be mobile because um, sometimes, you know, I knew I would have to follow firefighters. Sometimes I would go to an incident. So I needed to build kind of a kits um, that I could carry with me anywhere. So when I got here, I worked on building um, different kits for my different needs. Um, but one of my uh, favorite pieces of technology, which I inherited, is a teleprompter. It's nothing fancy, just uses a reflective mirror. But when I'm working on um, videos that are scripted, for example, PSAs, it just makes life so much easier for everyone, especially when I'm going into a fire station. They can get a call any second. Uh, everyone's time is valuable. Um, having a teleprompter just helps ensure that I get that shot quickly and still make it look professional. Uh, but for the most part, uh, my ori original background is not in video. Um, so it's in photography, um, but for a number of years, I've just experimented, uh, tried new things, tried different types of cameras, even if that means just borrowing a new friend's camera. Uh, it's been a learning process. I have no formal video training. It's just stuff that I've taught myself. Wonderful. All right. If you had to pick the one camera that you would use to do the kind of videos that you do where you're the firefighters are reading from the teleprompter or doing that um, a day in the life or, or Wheels Wednesday, what what would you recommend to people to get? Um, well, I think a good entry camera is... Um, the Sony a7 III. It's, it's a little old, but it's still a workhorse and it's quite affordable for what it can do. Obviously there's better cameras out there, um, but I, I still use um, a7 III today um, and it still manages to produce professional looking videos. So yeah. Do you ever follow the crews to calls? I haven't noticed any videos like that. Or is this strictly, is your job strictly in the role of these created videos rather than the uh, on-scene type stuff? Um, so I, I don't, I do join crews for ride-alongs uh, because as I'm building my videos, I need content of them in action and I also um, monitor um, our calls and go to the interesting ones to capture footage. Um, I don't follow them like for a day or something like that, uh, just because there's always the potential of there being sensitive information. So what I do capture, um, I only point the camera at something that you know I know I'm gonna use. Um, and I, but I usually just capture it, bring it back and store it for a future project. Yeah. Wonderful. 
we're getting close to the end of our hour, but I'd really like to finish up with you, Jake. You have a role here that you're new at, although it does hearken to your previous experience. And it's one that I haven't interviewed anybody that does um, that does the same job. But as a public information officer, public information manager, you're the person that gets called when there's a major incident. First of all, in three and a half months, have you had any of these yet? There's been a couple. Um, there was one, I'd probably been here, uh, maybe about a month and a half, uh, where a local, um, storage facility caught on fire and, um, due to the presence of some fireworks, uh, it, it really kind of raged out of control. I, I think ultimately it ended up getting to a three alarm. Um, but storage facilities can be tricky because you can't, you can't really, um, get inside and start attacking the fire from the inside. So it's just a lot of dumping water in from the top and, um, you know, trying to cool it down, uh, really keep a, a defensive stance so that it doesn't spread to nearby buildings. Um, but that one was, that one was certainly the biggest just because it was not just the fire, but it was also, you know, people could hear explosions from what turned out to be fireworks. Um, a lot of people lost a lot of personal items, um, so that one was definitely my, my first experience. So it was, it was after hours, but, um, you know, I got in my car, drove down, I was on the Southern side of the city, um, went there to support however I could. Um, one thing about my role is I am technically a spokesperson. Um, I provide quotes, I can give updates. Um, I'm not, I'm not really expected to do on camera stuff that's generally reserved for sworn members of the department, whether it's a position we have here called Med 30 or a battalion chief or some other chief. And, um, you know, just kind of helping them figure out, you know, all of the information that we want to convey, um, connecting the dots on, you know, I'm, I'm the one who's taking all the calls from media and saying, okay, this is where we're located. Here's how to get here. Here's who I have available. Here's what they're going to be able to provide updates on. So I'm doing most of the legwork, but then someone else is sort of the face and the actual response. Um, and I'm totally fine with that. Totally <laughs> I think fine. that's a, that's a good, um, comfort level for me at, at this point. Um, but yeah, you know, knock on wood that there hasn't, everything I've heard is it's been a relatively quiet summer. Oh, you said uh, the Q word. Uh, That's, uh, let me they haven't told that. you that yet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that's also why it's important to uh, emphasize prevention and not just the, the response side of our department is what can we do to, to keep the small fires small and, and prevent ones from happening altogether. So, um, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to to our firefighters for, uh, you know, their ability to get on scene quickly, um, really mitigate things from getting out of hand. Um, we also have, you know, the support of Cal Fire for anything that's, uh, that's happening in the wildland area. And so, yeah, that, that's just, I went a little bit off topic. No, there, that's but, okay. Um, how do you, uh, have you figured out yet how to prepare yourself for these things? Because the role of public information is to maybe not be that person from the camera, but it is 
to be that intermediary between the people that are doing the job and the people that are asking questions about it. You've got to get in there and, and go in either direction. So I'm wondering, do you, you know, like in the shower before work, do you like do these little mental skill drills? Like, okay, if that place blows up today, then this is what I'm going to say. Do you do that? It's funny. I, a little bit, (laughs) I wouldn't say in the shower, I'm thinking of responses necessarily, but there, there have been times where, um, you know, let's, I, I don't want to use the Q word <laughs> in go. slightly different context. Like, let's just say I have like half an hour where I, I have some open time. I'll just track, um, other incidents, like small, not newsworthy incidents and sort of parse all the information that's, that would be relevant if I were to get a call about that. And it's just, you know, kind of staying fresh, keeping it top of mind. What are the types of things that are important for them to know? What is the information I have access to that should not be made public um, for one reason or another? And so all of that is just sort of a, a, you know, it's just a lot of practice and a lot of comfortability. I've I've done a couple media relations trainings um, since I've been here specific to um, emergencies. Obviously, that's that's not really my background. And I had a chance to talk to some some um, some journalists, some TV reporters, and you know, they would tell me, well, this is all the stuff that, that we'd be interested in. Um, and so it's, it's given me some, some, uh, good ideas. And, and one, one example I can give you is, uh, there was a fire here. I wouldn't say it was horribly massive. It was called the Clayton fire. Um, I think it got up to like 60 or 80 acres. Um, fortunately there was no structure damage. Um, Nobody was injured, but we still took a lot of calls because it was spreading pretty rapidly. Uh, it was closing in on on a few homes. And so I, I had to make kind of a, a very split second decision. Do I get in my car and head over there um, or do I stay in the office? Uh, Vitali went and got in his car and he went to, I don't know if you ended up capturing any good, oh, of course he did. Yeah, he got a lot of good footage and, and photos and whatnot, but... I made the decision to stay because up in the hills, we we did have uh, our Med 30 who is capable of doing on-camera interviews, but I knew he was probably going to have some trouble uh, maybe with cell service or um, I just, I didn't want to deal with any of that. I wanted to be able to sit where I had stable internet. I had good cell service. I could take all the calls. I had access to all the information right in front of me on my, you know, hardline internet, um, and not be like refreshing and saying, I, I don't have an update for you right now. So I made that decision. I think it was the right decision. We ended up using a lot of the photos that Vitali took to keep the public informed about what was happening. That was a huge source of engagement for us. People were um, very, very interested in covering that. So I think all around we, we handled that, um, that incident really well. And I, I wouldn't have changed anything about it. That's great. That's great. The two of you have been really engaging and a lot of fun to talk to, and you've really satisfied that communications geek that's inside of me, so I appreciate it. But just to let you know, since neither of you are organically from the fire departments, this is a really enviable thing that San Jose has, is you guys and your department and accomplishing what you're doing. And we will, in my department and the agencies that I work with, be stealing your stuff and reposting. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much.